Welcome to the Leader Think Podcast, where we discuss personal growth and concepts for improving organizational culture. This is your host, Philip Grison. As you increase your wisdom, I hope you enlighten others on your path towards greatness. If you want to go further, head over to leaderthink.com. Most managers spend two and a half hours a day managing drama. What if you could get one hour of your life back? The research by Cy Wakeman shows that the average manager spends two and a half hours a day listening to people complain about other people, new policies, new clients, and other workplace problems without ever coaching people how to succeed within the imperfect circumstances that they must succeed in. What if you could spend half that time coaching them instead of just letting them vent? Could we shift that time towards solution-based thinking in a way that we are more productive with those conversations? What if we became so skilled at it that each day we got an hour of our life back? What could people accomplish with that time? I believe we can do that. But to make it happen, we have to develop our coaching skills and put them to work when the opportunity presents itself. And it will present itself. It will show up two and a half hours a day. It's definitely challenging for multiple reasons. One of those reasons is a long-held belief that the open-door policy will improve communication. By telling people our door is open to discuss any workplace problems, we have invited a bunch of drama with open arms right into our personal space. It's what we do with that open-door policy that matters. We mean well when we announce the open-door policy, but in reality, we might end up prolonging the person's suffering, all with good intent in our hearts. When we let people vent their drama without ever showing them that their thinking is at root of the problem, we end up encouraging them to stay in that state of suffering. In a way, we are telling them that it's okay to feel that way. It's only okay temporarily. It's normal for people to be hit with negative emotion. The world will not always work out in our favor, but it is not okay to dwell and stay there forever. It's normal for the limbic brain to engage automatically and emotionally judge workplace challenges, but we also have the responsibility to point people toward their prefrontal when those emotions are taking control of their lives. It's okay to feel bad. It's okay to let off a little steam, but it is not okay to dwell, to obsess, or to stay there forever. This is a struggle for a lot of people. Managers mean well when they listen to the drama of their people. They can think that letting off steam is good for them. But to what extent? At what point does listening to people vent encourage them to stay in that poor, pitiful me state? Are we actually hurting them by encouraging them to stay there, even if unintentionally? At what point does letting people vent turn into encouraging the victim mentality? In her book, No Ego, Cy Wakeman says, No one came through my open door to directly ask for coaching on handling sticky situations in a more effective way productive and efficient way. 
I realized pretty quickly that the open door was a portal for drama. It catered to ego, fueled feelings of victimhood, and contributed to low morale. In her experience, the well-intended open-door policy ended up strengthening the ego and the victim mentality. The policy backfires because managers and supervisors aren't developed into master coaches. At best, most of them attend a seminar or two on the subject. But they aren't developed into coaching ninjas. If a manager is unaware that circumstance is what can't be changed and that our thinking is the only thing we have true control over and that our emotions are just a symptom of our thinking, then the actions our people take will be extremely limited in achieving the results we desire. Our managers need to be aware of this and teach it to the people that they lead. The skill of coaching isn't just a morally good thing to do. It can show up as increased productivity and profit. What could managers do with that two and a half hours spent feeding victimhood? What ROI would the organization see by developing our coaching ability? There is no return on investment for just listening to people complain. But there is an ROI on helping people manage their emotion. Today, I'm going to discuss some universal topics that may come up in these dramatic woe-is-me conversations and some potential methods to help coach people out of it. How to influence the conversation is the hard part. There are so many books on the subject, so many teachers, so many ideas, and so many concepts about how to do it. And they are all great. But none of them are the be-all, end-all solution. The key is to keep learning new techniques, trying them out in the real world, and continually developing the skill. The more techniques we acquire, the more tools we have to pull out when we need them. The more we develop and strengthen that muscle. So first up is circumstance. Most people complain about what they don't have the power to change. Most complaining is arguing against reality, against circumstance. They see themselves as a victim placed in a life that isn't fair. Yet deep down, we all know that the world just isn't fair. It's not meant to be fair. This is natural to experience, but it's also a complete waste of time. The world will never be fair. Bad things will happen. We will be treated poorly by our peers, clients, and other contractors, and we will be forced to do our best with unrealistic expectations. All of this is normal in the life experience, yet people still argue against it. It's the ego that argues against circumstance. It's the victim inside all of us that complains that life isn't fair. It's not who we really are or have the potential to become. Most genuine, good-hearted people struggle with this. I struggle with this. But it's still a complete waste of time to complain about what can't be changed. In Buddhism, the ego is described as the source of all suffering. We all have an ego lurking inside of us. When our ego is in the driver's seat of our thinking, we find ourselves focused on what everyone else should do. Instead of focusing on what we should do 
to succeed in our current circumstance. People feel stuck when they argue against circumstance. They feel drained, demotivated, and it shows up in their actions. Our goal is to point people away from blaming circumstance, to stop entertaining the ego and the victim mentality, and to focus on what they can do in a crappy situation. We need to stop talking about what others do or should have done and focus the conversation on what we can and should do. What can you do? Or my favorite from No Ego, what does great look like? What's the best possible and realistic outcome considering this crappy circumstance? And one that seems to work a lot with my construction groups, how can we polish this turd? Once we identify the problem is true circumstance, as in it happened in the past and we don't have a time machine to fix it, or we are going to work with this client or contractor, even if they are a total pain in the rear, once we identify that we truly can't change the problem, then we have to move the conversation toward what can be done. Having a gazillion different ways to ask, what can you do? is a great first step. When they say, but, you say what, and fill in the rest with solution-based thinking. What's the best fall protection you can install considering this odd structure? What's the best way you can improve communication with this disagreeable person? What's the best job you can do considering the budget we have for safety? Whatever the problem is, what does great look like, considering the imperfect circumstance? The conversation should point them toward what they have the power to do themselves, not what other people should do. That's where their power lies and what they can do, not what somebody else should do. They will tell you that people aren't treating them fairly. They will tell you that they are being disrespected. They will tell you that someone stabbed them in the back. And all of it can be total truth. It will be true that they got crapped on by someone. It will be true that they are being talked about behind their back. It will be true that they are being asked for more than what they initially agreed upon. It will be true that someone pulled the rug right out from under them. That stuff happens. Is happening right now and will continue to happen. Life is not fair and never will be if we believe that people should always do the right thing. People will continually make bad decisions that affect our life experience. It's what we do when those things happen to us that really matters. And it is supposed to happen to us to help us grow our ability to diminish the power of our ego. When Cy Wakeman became enlightened to the flaws of the open door policy, she says she started changing the conversation. She says, instead of passively listening or directing, I began asking questions. Many people believe that letting people vent is a good thing, and it is to a certain extent, but then quickly devolves into victimhood. We mean well when we let them vent some steam. But if we do it too long, we strengthen their ego. We need to let them vent a little bit 
to show them that we care and have empathy, that it's okay to experience negative emotion. But then we need to quickly shift the conversation toward dealing with it. Sai goes on to list some sample questions she asks. The first two are, what do you know for sure? And what is your part in this? What do you know for sure? This one is important because people have an innate ability to blow things out of proportion. We awfulize things. We make a bad day seem like the end of the world. And most of the time, it's not near as bad as we make it out to be. When we experience bad events, we tend to tell ourselves stories that worsen the actual circumstance. People can hear or misinterpret something, and then they continue the story in their minds. When they do that, they can easily start coming up with beliefs about the situation that aren't even real. They can be downright terrible. A manager may ask someone to work on Saturday. And then the person thinks they are trying to push them to the point they decide to quit their job. They can awfulize the situation in their mind and make up a false story that the manager hates them and is really just trying to get rid of them. Maybe the manager dreads even asking the person to work Saturday. Maybe the manager is cringing the entire time because they expect the person to read them the wrong way. What do we know for sure? Can we point the person towards engaging their manager to put to rest any insecurities they have? Can we influence the person to separate what they know for sure from what they may be making up in their mental stories they tell themselves? Questions we could ask, have you mentioned all of this to your manager? Do they know how you feel? Do they know you think they are trying to get rid of you? Have you ever talked to them about that? We must help people separate what they know for sure and learn more about what they don't know. We must help them see how all of us can awfulize things and reassure them that it's normal to do that. We just need to get better at recognizing that we are doing that. So the second question, what is your part in this? We all play a part in the game. In the example I just gave you, the person played a part in the drama. They didn't know the full story. They just continued the story in their brain and chose to believe it as truth. If someone really is trying to make you quit your job, what are you doing about it? Do you say nothing and take it and then just vent to other people about it? Are you going to let them succeed in this? We all play a part in this. What part will we choose to play? That of the victim or that of the hero surviving in terrible circumstances? We need to remind people that we need to take a little ownership, even when someone really is treating us unfairly. If we can shift their thoughts back to what's in their power, maybe they will take ownership in the matter. If they are really telling you that they are trying to get rid of you, How are you responding? Does your response encourage them to push harder? Or does your response make them feel that they won't succeed? We don't want to tell them exactly what to say, but we want them to think about how they can respond to improve their circumstance. 
When the world throws rocks at us, we still have a part in it. We always have a part in how we respond. We need to constantly remind people of that. They always have a part in how they respond. Another topic that may come up is the individual will explain that their best in the situation is not their very best. It's not perfect. Duh. It's not meant to be. We are polishing a turd over here. We are not expecting the absolute best situation of your life. So what if it's not your best? It's still better than other people's best. It's still great in its own way. Your best Kia is probably better than another person's best Ferrari. Your team's best in a crappy situation is a lot better than another team's best on their best project ever. You're great regarding the unreasonable job schedule is still great, even though it's not your greatest great. These are all just examples of how to discuss these concepts. Your best way to do it is also great, but I definitely encourage you to have multiple ways to communicate it and keep adding more. Here's another topic that may come up in these conversations. This shouldn't be happening. But the truth is, what is happening is supposed to be happening. It's the way the life experience is supposed to work. It teaches us. These moments are supposed to happen so we can learn from them and grow. This unrealistic schedule we committed to is supposed to be happening. Maybe management needs to go through this so they can learn something in the process. Maybe the front line needs to experience it to learn how to become more flexible. Maybe we need to go through it to learn to better manage our emotions. Maybe the point of all of it is to go through it so some other people outside our everyday sphere can learn from it. Whatever is happening is supposed to be happening. In the words of Byron Katie, how do I know it was meant to happen that way? Because it did. However crappy it is, it is supposed to be happening. That's a hard lesson because really bad stuff happens in this world. Some people can never accept the bad things. But no matter how bad the circumstance, we know for a fact that arguing against it will only prolong suffering. There is no time machine to go back and change it. This leads to another point. There are scales to circumstance. Maybe the circumstance is that it's cold outside and I don't want to be out here. Maybe the circumstance is someone just died on this job. It's a lot easier to manage the emotions of not wanting to work outside in the cold than those that come with the death of a peer. Yet both are similar in the fact that they are unchangeable circumstances. The time and effort required to coach people will mirror the scale of the circumstance. The more severe, the more you will have to engage and redirect. That's why we need so many different ways to communicate these concepts. When the scale is high, we don't want to just keep regurgitating the same things over and over again. 
We need multiple ways to coach in hopes that one of them or all of them together finally trigger that aha moment for the person. Within all of this, we also need to show grace, both to ourselves and to them. We need to teach people to give themselves grace. Grace is required because in the moment of dealing with emotions, you don't deliver your best work. And that's okay. When we show ourselves grace for not being at our best when dealing with emotion, or not doing our best when we are trying to coach someone, we can move more quickly back to our strength. We need to let people vent their problems for a minute so they know we care. We need to let people know that it is okay and normal to experience negative emotion. It's the way our brains are wired. But we don't need to stay there. We need to quickly shift the conversation toward our personal responsibility of how we respond. We need to help people see that the situation is rarely as awful as they make it out to be. We need to help them differentiate between what they know for sure and the mental stories they have made up in their brains. We need to help people see that they play a part in it regardless of the circumstance. Maybe the only part they play is how they respond. But we always play some sort of part in the problem. We need to help people focus on what they can do instead of what they can't do and definitely give a lot less focus to what other people should do. Lastly, we need to give ourselves and our people a little grace. There is no perfect, just a path we go down filled with ups and downs. Celebrate the success and give a little grace during failures. All normal in the life experience. I hope all of you continue to make the best out of these ever-changing circumstances. So much is out of our control, but at least we can always polish the turd. If you learned something valuable today, please share it with others. For more information, head over to leaderthink.com.